1: Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where every week we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding. And lucky me, today I have with me top therapist Sandra Reich. And I asked Sandra to come on the show because I want to talk to you, or I actually want Sandra to talk to you, about anxiety. And actually, when Sandra and I got together, My initial uh, thought was that I wanted to talk about postpartum anxiety and how it affects breastfeeding or vice versa, and then I suddenly realized that there was so much material that we would have to do a two-part show, so I have today's show, and then, ding, 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 Put this on your calendar, we will be doing a second show where we talk about postpartum anxiety and breastfeeding, but today, we're really going to focus on just anxiety and what it is, what it means, and much more. Maybe you are not aware that postpartum anxiety is actually in about 17% of the population, compared with about six percent for postpartum depression. So while postpartum depression gets a lot of uh, hype and a lot of attention, actually anxiety is something that's probably more prevalent. So lucky us, we get to be here today with Sandra Reisch. So Sandra, welcome to the show. Oh,
2: thank you so much for having me, having me with you, Maria. It's Such an honor.
1: Well, uh, the other thing you should know about Sandra is that she actually has her own very hot show on Voice America. She is the host of Straight Talk. So, Sandra, here's kind of what I want to pose to you. Dr. Margaret Howard, uh, she's a Ph.D. at Providence College. Women's and Infants Day Hospital says that some amount of worry is adaptive and that anxiety is a natural response. You know, we all kind of want to protect our baby and we're kind of hyper alert, all that. And Dr. Abramowitz at the Mayo Clinic says that 89% of new parents find their minds racing. What about if the baby suffocates? Uh, What about if the baby slips underwater during a bath? All of that kind of stuff. So Before we go deep into this whole postpartum anxiety bit, I just want to get clear on what do you think of those two experts? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Tell us a little bit about how do we know the difference between what I guess I might call regular anxiety and something that's a lot worse?
2: Okay. uh, Great question, first of all. And I do agree. First of all, I think anxiety is very adaptive. I like to think of, I think that people who suffer with anxiety in general think of it as a very negative thing. I'd like to bring you back to 2 billion years ago. We're sitting around a campfire and a saber-toothed tiger is walking by. And I have a very good anxiety response and you don't. Who survives? Me or you? Oh, you. Uh I survive. So if you yes. have anxiety, you're the descendant of very adaptive people. You have a very attuned sympathetic nervous system. And how wonderful that if there's any danger to your child or to you that you are really on the ball and want to notice it very quickly. So it is definitely adaptive. The problem okay. is there are no saber-toothed tigers
0: walking around.
2: <laughs> and most of the things that we get worried about that trigger that response are what's called false alarms. So we think a thought, what if my baby suffers? It's just a thought, but unfortunately, it turns on the same system in the body as if a saber-toothed
1: tiger was walking by, and therein lies the problem. Aha! So you're saying that it does function as a a protective mechanism, but we can overdo it. Absolutely, and the thing is, we don't
2: consciously overdo it. It just starts as a thought or a response to something.
1: We don't know that we're turning on the sympathetic nervous system. So, Sandra, how exactly can a mother or a, a, a anybody, man, woman, child, anybody, you know, how do we start to recognize that we need help for this anxiety? How do we realize that uh, we've got to do something about it with that? And it might be self-help. It might be professional help. How do we how do we know that?
2: Okay. That's another great question. When your life starts getting smaller and smaller, you start avoiding more and more things. You need help. Now the good news again, and I do like good news is anxiety always gets better with treatment and always gets worse without treatment. That's my tag. Okay, so self-help on this is going to be a little tricky without some guidance. You can use a book. You don't have to go to a therapist, but you need some guidance. There are straight strategies. Now, if, in fact, you start avoiding something, let's say you avoid uh, going somewhere, this is the beginning of the end because anxiety generalizes. The moment you avoid something, the anxiety will increase and it will generalize to another area.
1: A bad analogy, but almost like a cancer. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, yeah. this is interesting, Sandra, because uh, as I was working up this show, somebody on my team found out about that uh, statistic that I just quoted. And her comment was, Ooh, I wonder if anxiety is just plain overdiagnosed. And my re- gut response was, Actually, I would have wondered if it's maybe it's underdiagnosed. What do you say?
2: Okay, well, uh, Marie, I think it's quite underdiagnosed, actually. And I think the thing is that there's still a lot of stigma with admitting you have anxiety. So our numbers that we're receiving on anxiety that in North America are still lower than they are. And by the way, the numbers are one in four, which is really a high number. It is considered the number one mental health issue in North America. Really? uh, Across the board. And um, it is not like, you know, we do hear about like gluten intolerance and ADD, maybe being overdiagnosed. This is not the case here. As a matter of fact, anxiety is at an all time high because we do live in a stressful world. There are things that are, you know, there are reasons to be afraid. There are things that go on. And unfortunately, as I mentioned, anxiety generalizes. So if you don't treat it, it gets worse. And anxious parents create anxious children. So it's very, very contagious. So it's a very serious problem. And, again, I want to come back to the good news. It's very, and I repeat, very treatable. Treatable. Like, incredible. (sighs) Incredibly easy to treat with outstanding results. And, you know, I run a clinic here in Montreal. And um, we're very proud of the fact that people come in with anxiety. And if they do the strategies that they're taught, in 95% of the cases, the
1: anxiety will be gone fairly quickly. wow. Yeah. wow. Yeah. When when you say fairly quickly, what do you mean? A few days, a few weeks, a few months? Uh, The science tells us it's
2: uh, 15 to 20 sessions with a standard deviation of five to really learn all the strategies for coping with anxiety. So that means some people do it in 10 sessions or 15 sessions and some people need 25. But when you think about that, that's not that much. No, not out
1: of your lifetime. That's for sure. No, no. Sandra, help me with this part. Uh, Some people think that anxiety is all in your head. Is that true?
2: Well, it's not all in your head, but it starts in your head. So uh, the problem with that statement, again, is it's used to criticize people. Uh, Uh, We say it to ourselves, oh, get over it. It's all in my head. Or people say to other people when they see them stressed, get over it. There's no danger here. It's all in your head. And what's very unfair about that, and I really appreciate you asking that, Marie, just shows the consummate professional that you are, um, is that it takes away from the reality that there is a physiological set of responses that happen once your sympathetic nervous system, which is your fight or flight system, is yep. turned on. So you're that not is. imagining that your heart is racing. You're not imagining that <laughs> yes. your body is sweating. It is happening. So I think it really, it's sort of true, but it misses the mark. It is not all in your head. It may have started in your head with a thought like, what if my child suffocates?
1: Yes. So, Sandra, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that the part that is in your head is that thought that triggers this anxiety. And then the part that's in your body is the result. Would that be a fair statement? It is a very fair statement.
2: Uh, Uh You know, the only thing is we don't always realize, because people have panic attacks in their sleep. People don't always, or they wake up to a panic attack. We don't always realize the thoughts in our heads. So you are quite right, but let's think of the thoughts as a swimming pool being filled up with water. And when the swimming pool overflows, you could have what's called a panic attack. So a lot of stressful thoughts, a lot of stress, building up, building up, thinking, how am I going to get it all done? Modern woman's yep. challenge. How yep. am I going to get it all done? I have a career. I have kids. When, when am I going to cook those meals? I mean, I go through those thoughts myself. And if I don't do my own stress management techniques, I mean, I'm one step away from an anxiety problem myself. We all are. Well, that was
1: a lot of self-revelation. Sandra, talk to us about those physical symptoms, because certainly we all know, for instance, the the beating heart, the fast heartbeat, the sweating. What other kinds of things should alert women to the idea that maybe this this is really serious here? Well, um,
2: it's fascinating, actually, because the body does those symptoms to protect you. Again, your heart races so you can get out of danger because your body thinks you're in danger. You sweat so that the predator can't grab you. How brilliant Ah bodies your pupils will dilate because your body thinks you're in danger so it's looking for a way out the blood pools away from your extremities which ends up creating a tingling feeling in your hands and feet that's happening so that you could punch if you need to punch someone if you're in danger but it feels pretty weird if you're not in danger (laughs) it, it could lead to a feeling of depersonalization like an out of body experience which really terrifies people actually this is all happening because your body thinks there's a predator there's danger so so you, the reason you know you're in trouble is because there's no predator and you think, oh my God, I must be having a heart attack. There's no right. question about it. But in fact,
1: your body's just preparing for danger, a false alarm once again. And so really, this is back to this whole bit of you think you see the, uh, what was it? The, uh, the, the wild saber-toothed Saber Saber tiger. tiger. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. But, but really... That is adaptive if you really do have the saber toothed tiger, but when all you're doing is reacting to this thought that you have, uh, that's really not very useful. And yet, you know, we're all stressing out over the meal that we've got to get or, or, whatever it is we've got to do. And certainly, Sandra, I do this as well. I'm thinking, oh, oh, you know, I got to get all this stuff done before I interview Sandra today. (laughs) And it's, (laughs) you you know, you you really have these thoughts. The question is, they're just a thought. What do you do with them? And so, uh, you know, somebody, I want to say it was Louise Hay or somebody said, a thought is just a thought and a thought can be changed, And that's a lot different than trying to change the presence of the saber-toothed tiger. So, hey, everybody, listen, do not go away. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I'm here today with best-selling author and psychotherapist Sandra Reish. Do not go away. We will be right back after this short break.
3: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7.
0: Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio
4: at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff?
5: Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions.
4: Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours.
5: You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process.
4: Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace.
5: You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished.
4: Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish.
5: Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course.
4: Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works.
5: Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount.
0: Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff.
3: We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. And I have with me today author of the best-selling book, Once Upon a Time, How Cinderella Grew Up and Became a Happy, Empowered Woman, and that is Sandra Reich. So, Sandra, from the statistics, we know that some 17% of postpartum women experience postpartum depression. That doesn't include the ones that haven't stepped forward for help. So, if you were just... Thinking about your own practice or maybe what you've read in the literature, if you were going to just name three or four or however many reasons, uh, why would you say that women don't seek help for their anxiety issues? Okay, well, uh, first of all, as I mentioned before, I
2: do think there's still a certain stigma about anxiety, which I'm not sure I completely understand, since it is such a common problem, as you have talked about. And I've mentioned, I mean, it's we're all one step away from an anxiety problem, because there's a lot of stress in our lives. So there is stigma uh, that it's and people think, which is number two, that anxiety is a sign of weakness. If I was Mm, strong, I would be able to cope with this because everybody else, you know, I go on Facebook, and everybody looks happy and like they're having a good time. Meanwhile, they're all having their own struggles, so <laughs> it's, it's weakness. And then there comes up the issue of medication. If I go see someone, someone's going to force me to take medication, and that, that means my life yep. is over, all yep. of which is not true. None of those things are true. Uh, the, you know, Anxiety is not a sign of weakness at all. Um, actually acknowledging that you have anxiety, I would think, is an act of strength, like any other emotion. Uh, expressing emotions are always an act of strength.
1: Okay. I like that. So mm-hmm. uh, how about this? Do you think that some people just think it's going to go away, just magically it's going to vanish into thin air? I do. I do think
2: that. I I think that people think that my favorite line of all clients and patients that come in is they say, I've got anxiety, but I've got it under control. Okay, first of all, anxiety is too much control. It's like holding a bar of soap too tightly. When you hold it, it's going to slip out of your hand. So you can't control anxiety. You can manage Anxiety and there's a very big difference. So the idea is I'm going to control my anxiety because I'm simply going to avoid situations that cause anxiety. So there's an illusion of control ah. first. Because I just won't go into that room that causes me stress. I've got it under control. The problem is now it generalizes to another room. And as I said, your life gets smaller and smaller and smaller. So instead, avoidance is the friend of anxiety and the enemy of you. You do not want to avoid anything in life because that is how you get an anxiety problem.
1: It's as simple as that. Sandra, I have to tell you that on your website, I saw this little tip of the day and it said, I'm paraphrasing here, but something to the effect of move towards your fears. Mm. Yes. Well, this is very apropos to what we just said.
2: So if I'm afraid to come on your radio show, I'm feeling nervous about it. If I cancel the radio show with you, then Every time I'm invited to do a radio show, it's going to be worse and worse. Moving towards my fear is to say, you know what, let me try to do this radio show. Let me try 10 minutes of the radio show or Mm. 20 minutes the first Uh time. So Mm -hmm. always moving in the direction of what I'm afraid of because the only way to get over fear is to go through fear fear. Now, that's uncomfortable. So I don't suggest you jump into a, a pool of sharks if you're afraid of sharks. You <laughs> can go slowly towards what we're anxious about. And before you know it, the anxiety is behind you. It's incredibly efficient treatment because moving towards it will get rid of it.
1: Sandra, here's another thing, though, is that some people don't realize that there are consequences to just not dealing with their anxiety or dealing with their high blood pressure or dealing with their foot issue or whatever it is. So, what are the consequences to not dealing with your anxiety? Well, a very short answer would be more anxiety, okay. uh,
2: but there's more to it than that, unfortunately. Okay, so anxiety. Um, And depression are first cousins. So depression can show up. um, It can start to turn into other things. And um, there is a contagious effect. So you're not only going to now affect you, you're going to affect your family members. So I think the consequences are quite serious. A, more anxiety. B, it might mutate into another psychological problem. Or even physical problems C. you're going to affect people around you if you've been around anxious people um, number one they can definitely make you anxious and number two anxiety works on the same system of the body as anger so sometimes when you're around someone who starts an argument with you they're actually trying to get rid of their anxiety and you're going to catch it
1: right right Yeah, I, oh, I would totally agree. There are people that I do not want to be in their presence because their level of anxiety is just so high that I feel like, like, like you said, like it's contagious. So oh, what's, it the, what's the flip side to this? Uh, what are the benefits when you actually, like, okay, I know it doesn't have to be meds. I know it doesn't necessarily have to be go see Sandra, although that would definitely be a good thing. But, but <laughs> however, however they get the treatment, what benefits can they expect once they get their anxiety under control?
2: First of all, I think you make a good point. I mean, I, I not not everybody lives where I live, so first of all, it doesn't sure. have to be go see Sandra. There's many, many good people to see, but you definitely want a specialist. There's there's also videos. We have videos on anxiety treatment in the comfort of your house. We can talk about that nice. later, but. Nice. Um, so there are definitely ways to learn the strategies there are specific strategies that have to be learned on how to relax your body and you want to reach out and learn those. Now you can learn them in books. That is true, but I do think it's best to, I would recommend more of the videos or working with a professional to learn how to combat it. Now to, to your point, anxiety can actually work for you. Okay. If I am very hyper vigilant, I'm very aware of my surroundings. That is not necessarily such a bad quality, as long as it doesn't overtake my life. So uh-huh. that's the big question: Is it overtaking your life or not? I mean, I'm a Type A personality. I don't know if you consider yourself a Type A. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> type A's are, are the movers and shakers of the world, but Type A's often uh, are predisposed to anxiety because they 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 wanted, they want to do it all. And that's fabulous. So I use that part of my personality in my work and I I like being type A, but I also know I'm the kind of person that if I don't do my stress management techniques, which could be things like food, sleep and exercise, not we're not talking medication now, we're talking basics, food, sleep, exercise are your basic go to's that I could start getting that swimming pool filling up and I could have an anxiety symptom or even worse, a physical symptom of some sort.
1: Sandra, uh, you know, I want to go back to that part about the the type A, or some people would say OCD. I have been called type A, and I have been called OCD. And I, yeah, I you know, honestly, it, I, how do you differentiate that from, gee, maybe I'm anxious, and maybe I have a real problem, and I need to seek professional help? Okay, like, well. Ta- like, like it, it, where's, where's it, that line, Sandra? Okay, well, there's two. I can answer
2: that in two parts because type okay. A and OCD are two very different things. So, type okay. A are people who are really go getters and they, they like to be in control of their environment, and they like to go for it. So they're very detailed, they're perfectionistic, and um, as I said, they're the mover and shakers of the world. They have very high standards for themselves. So, Marie, you have a high standard for yourself because you're, you you do things so well, and that is wonderful, but that means you drive your car with a, a, a heavy foot. You're hard on yourself. <laughs> yep. You are hard on yourself. And yep. that's okay as long as it doesn't start to become... A problem that the radio show doesn't go well, and you're so hard on yourself. The critical voice is like, "I can't believe you messed it up. It wasn't good." That's where we could have a problem. So the type A is not an anxiety disorder, but it has it could lead to a problem. Now you mentioned OCD. Now that's a different ball game. That's also you know an obsessive compulsive. It depends to what nature. If you're if you need every Uh, paper to be in exact order on your desk the answer to the question would be is it's starting to overtake your life if it's starting to overtake your life you've got a problem if you just are really good at keeping a neat house or organizing your radio show very well good on you no problem there but if you're starting to suffer you feel lousy inside you feel devastated when your house is not clean or your radio show didn't go well then we've got a problem
1: Sandra, it seems then it's maybe your reaction to these things. Would that be so?
2: Your reaction to things is, you're, you're very smart. Your reaction to the things is very key. The story you tell yourself. You tell yourself, yeah. So if you say to yourself, if I say to myself, I was coughing on Marie's show today. That was a bit embarrassing, and I said to myself, that's okay. I'm human. It happens. Hopefully they'll edit it out. I'll be okay. Then I'm okay. If I say I cannot believe I did that. It's my fault. I shouldn't have eaten food before I I met up with her. And uh, what was I thinking? If I do that, if you'll be then yourself. We've got so. a problem. We've got a problem. Okay, because we need to be kind to ourselves, or we're going to have anxiety.
1: Sandra, I can tell you that sometimes I do hear myself saying that old, you know, like the story I'm telling myself. Oh, I should have been more prepared for this show with Sandra or, oh, I should have done my hair first or, oh, you know, whatever. But but, uh, a lot of this is this whole bit with the story that you tell yourself. Yes. And so I guess maybe where I'm going with that is, first of all, How does that story affect us? And also, what do you think of positive affirmations? Okay. Uh, Again, a great question. Um, The story you tell yourself
2: affects everything in your life. It goes beyond even the discussion of anxiety. The story you tell yourself will determine the quality of your life. So right now, if you're listening, what story are you telling yourself about your life? Think about it for a second. If you're telling yourself, and this is where the affirmations are going to come in, um, but again, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a believer in just the Pollyanna of it. Like, oh, I'm great, I'm healthy. I'm, I mean, I think it works, but I think that also it, we can translate it into a story. Is you know, am I going to, we have a a tendency to focus on negativity. So as humans, Mm -hmm. am I going to focus on what's going well in my life or what's going negative? How about the hardships of my life? Can I turn my lemons into lemonade? I don't know about you, Marie, but I've had hardships in my life and I'm aware of that, but I think that those hardships have helped me become who I am, turn my lemons into lemonade. So that's a different story than poor me. I cannot believe this happened to me. So it's very significant, the story you tell yourself. It's the difference between living a
1: great life and and sometimes quite a horrible one. Sandra, we've only got a few seconds left here, but just quick, quick. I teach a course as related to the lactation exam, and I often have people tell me at the break, oh, I'm so bad, I'm so dumb, I'm so bad at tests, I'm such a bad test taker, blah, 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 blah. And it's probably because they flunked a test when they were in second grade, and everybody's been telling them that about themselves ever since forever. But uh, the research shows that people actually do poorly on a test when they believe that they will do poorly on a test. Is this a good example of the results you get when you tell yourself the bad story? Yes, it is. It's a great example okay. of Yeah, wow. Okay, hey, everybody, don't go away. There's way more to come when we come back. I'm going to be asking Sandra about these three super traps that women get themselves in. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break.
3: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7.
0: Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at
4: borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff?
5: Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions.
4: Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours.
5: You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process.
4: Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7, so staff can study at their own pace.
5: You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished.
4: Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish.
5: Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course.
4: Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works.
5: Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount.
0: Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff.
3: We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go, on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
0: You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuzo or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Bianchuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where every week we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding. And today, we're busting the myths and clarifying the facts about anxiety because... In a follow-on show, Sandra and I are going to talk more about anxiety and its relationship to postpartum anxiety and how anxiety affects breastfeeding, and breastfeeding affects anxiety, uh, but in a good way. Uh, so, Sandra, I want to talk to you a little bit about your best-selling book. The title is "Once Upon a Time: How Cinderella Grew Up and Became a Happy, Empowered Woman." Mm-hmm. And in that book, you talk about women falling into three traps: victim, martyr caregiver. Okay, so I am going to posit that birth is a time when, you know, quite honestly, uh, those, I, I I could really see women saying, oh, poor me, I had this, you know, terrible cesarean section, poor me, I have been confined to bed. I, I, honestly, I saw this when I was working on a high-risk antepartum floor. Some women who would come in at 14 weeks gestation and they were on bed rest until they delivered at, you know, nearly term. And then of course there's the caregiving and man, if breastfeeding isn't caregiving, I don't know what is. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that women can can very easily get caught in this trap, but particularly during childbearing. So talk to us about that. What, what are your thoughts here about the consequences of when you are victim, martyr or caregiving?
2: Okay, well, first of all, I'd like to distinguish between caregiving and caretaking, and there is a bit of a difference. Oh, okay. I mean, you know, you're breastfeeding your baby. You're doing a wonderful thing. Um, And caretaking is actually considered somewhat dysfunctional. So I I do want to make that distinction. So the problem with women, women often are raised and socialized to be, we're socialized to be caretakers. We are very aware of our families, our children, uh, the people around us, our friends. Is Marie happy? Is Sandra happy? Is this one happy? We're great at that. But the thing is, the secret wish of every caretaker is to be taken care of. And it doesn't work that way. So, in fact, if I take care of everyone around me, the people around me go, oh, great, this is a good deal for me. And off they go and they live their lives. And I'm stuck now. I've given yep. everything away to everybody else. Now, if we add in breastfeeding, which is, again, wonderful, but I'm my pockets are going to get empty. I'm giving to everybody. No one's giving to me because they think I'm a superwoman and I can handle it <laughs> all. And yep. then I might start to fall into b- a bitter sort of stage of victimization or martyrdom because, I'm going to be quite annoyed. Now, remember, anger works on the same system of the body as anxiety does. So if if I'm always taking care of everyone and no one's taking care of me and caretakers are notoriously bad at taking care of themselves, and this includes nurses and psychotherapists, so both of us
1: (laughs) are
2: the worst. We take care of others with, you know, we know if someone's in trouble a mile away, but we don't always know when we're in trouble. So caretaking is a very big trap for women. And, you know, I, I, I don't meet very many women who don't fall into that trap. It's a very common one. And as the years go by, young mothers, uh, you know, the, the time passes and they start to feel quite bitter and resentful, which is unfortunately linked with not only anxiety, it's linked with disease. Uh, female cancers are linked with that there's a lot oh. of problems with that so we have to be careful because if the secret wish of a caretaker is to be taken care of then the antidote to caretaking is self-care now victim and martyr victim is a very seductive rule because the victim says things like life is not fair and oh, yeah. they love to say that and when you give a victim a solution they say yes but and i'm oh, sure yeah. I'm sure you've seen that, Marie.
1: (laughs) I've said that. (laughs) We
2: all do. We all do. And we all fall into victim from time to time. But the problem is who does a victim attract into their life or what situations? A perpetrator. So if you're a victim, you're only going to attract trouble into your life. So we have to be very careful because a victim needs a perpetrator because a victim needs to feel sorry for themselves. So we have to first acknowledge that we're falling into victim. Now, this is very simple to do. You just say to yourself, oh. I'm having a little pity party. Okay, I can have a pity party today, but tomorrow it's back on the horse. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you don't acknowledge you're having that pity party, before you know it, you can become the victim. And that's how you identify yourself. And last but not least, the martyr. So the martyr is the self-sacrificing. Women do this a lot. M- men oh, yeah. do too, but not as much. Um, self-sacrificing, I'm going to give it all. Again, similar to the caretaker, I'm going to give it all. I'm going to be the perfect mother, the perfect breastfeeder, the perfect therapist, the perfect everything. And uh, no, don't worry about me. I don't need anything. You know, Where do you want to go for dinner? It's up to you, Marie, wherever you want to go. But oh, I'm, yeah. I'm secretly seething inside. I'm very angry because I'm like, do you see how hard I'm working? Do you see how hard my life is? And of course, no, no one is going to see. They're not even going to notice. And you're going to be bitter. And I always say I've never met a happy martyr
1: in my life. Yeah, I hear you talking about this stuff. And I'm thinking, um, I don't think I do this a lot, but I can see situations where maybe I have been in that Uh I'm thinking about a rotation that I took as uh, a nursing student where every day it was just, oh, poor me, I have got the hardest assignment on this floor. Oh, poor me. You know, I could really uh, hear that story in my head at the time. Now, luckily it was a short uh, stint, but nonetheless, uh, I guess we need to really be aware of those things. And that kind of brings me to the next question, which is, can you give us some tips on how do we step out of that victim, martyr, caretaker thing?
2: Well, you know, one of the things that really helped me in my own life, and I teach clients every day this, and everywhere I go, I talk about it, which is that we have choice. It's a wonderful Mm. thing to be aware of that. Now, sometimes, Marie, the choices are not great. So sometimes if choice number one is give up my child for adoption and choice number two is go on welfare, those are not great choices, I admit. But it's still a choice. And the moment I know I have choice, I am empowered because that gives me back my power. I have the ability. This is where humans are different than any other living creature. We have the brains to make those choices. So they may not be easy choices. So I can't be a victim because I have a choice. I always have a choice. Mm. Now, I'm not, I'm not mm. talking about if I'm walking down the street and God forbid get raped. Obviously, that's a different story. I'm not talking about crime. But I am talking about if I'm in a lousy marriage, uh, but I need to pay my bills so I'm staying with them. Well, I have choices to be made is you know a I could decide to take a part-time job which is not ideal because I want to be at home with my kids but it's a choice start to save the money or I could say you know what it's not a great marriage but you know let's make the best of it it's not a great choice but it's a choice So the antidote for victimization is always choice. And martyrdom is that self-sacrificing does not get you any badges. It's not because Mm. some martyrs think Mm. they're going to get an award at the end of their life for giving up everything. And that brings up parenting. Children don't want to see a self-sacrificing mom. They want to see a happy mom. Right. And my last tip would be for the caretakers of the world, and we all, we all are caretakers. I call myself a recovering caretaker because it's <laughs> a bit like being an alcoholic, honestly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Instead of worrying so much about taking care of my husband, and now I'm not going to talk about the children because you're supposed to take care of your children, but adults, the other people in my life who are you know other people I know who have problems, instead of being so concerned about taking care of them, which is what I was socialized to do, first can I fill up my pockets like the oxygen mask on me no, first on the airplane. Yep, and yep. then if I want to take care of them, well, that's very kind,
1: and kindness is good. Caretaking is dysfunctional. Yeah, I was thinking that, for example, when I go out of town, usually I feel like I have to, I don't know, put a meatloaf together or put something together <laughs> so that my husband can have something to eat. And uh, <laughs> we sure. have a saying. We have a saying in our house. We actually knew of my sister's friend who uh, we asked her one time. Well. What does Rick eat for lunch? And she said, oh, I don't know. He has a master's degree. He figures it out. And so, <laughs> so every now and again, when I say to my husband, oh, I'm going out of town and I don't have anything. I didn't leave any food for you and nothing is cooked and blah, 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 blah. And he shrugs and he says, yeah, well, it's OK. I have a master's degree. you know." Oh, and, that's
2: adorable.
1: It's really great at helping me to understand that I do not need to be his mother. I do not need to be his cook. I do not need to be his eat or his whatever. And actually, you know, in his case, he's actually pretty low maintenance anyway. But nonetheless, you know, somehow I grew up with that whole idea that I had to be this caretaker. And the truth is, uh, I, I, as you say, I can make that choice uh sandra i want to talk to you a little bit more about this story in your head Mm -hmm. and i also want to ask you because uh i asked you too many questions there a few minutes ago i want to talk about this story in your head and do you believe in doing positive affirmations not the pollyanna stuff but really positive affirmations do you think those work or do you think it's a crock of baloney
2: I do not think it's a crock of bologna. I okay. think that the, I think our brains research shows us that if you tell your brain that you're in Hawaii, your brain will believe you. Um, we know about hysterical pregnancies, the brain will believe whatever you tell it. So I think that um, we know through uh, neuroplasticity that we can create new pathways in the brain and change everything. So affirmations definitely work because if you're actually, if it's not too Pollyanna and you're actually believing what you're saying, your brain will actually absorb that information, form new pathways, changing your life forever. I think they're absolutely fabulous.
1: Okay. I I know that sometimes I will use a positive affirmation to replace some garbage that I is like the story that I'm telling myself that's not true or how can I explain it? Like, I'm not very good with equipment, all right? So I have trouble replacing the cartridge in my printer or my whatever. But instead of saying to myself, which is what I used to do, oh, I'm so terrible at this. You know, I I just, I cannot deal with this equipment stuff. Now I have this positive affirmation that says, I can easily solve the problems that come my way. And sometimes I have to tell myself that like eight times as I'm standing in front of the printer. But guess what? You know, I... And and by the way, I am not going to build a rocket, okay? But I, <laughs> that's not going to get horrible. me there. <laughs> it's not going to get me there. But it really might get me to the idea where I can actually successfully replace the cartridge because that's what I got to really do. All right. Hey, listen, everybody. Uh, I am so lucky. I am here with top therapist Sandra Reish, who is also the host of Straight Talk with Sandra Reish. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
4: Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff?
5: Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby friendly requirements, or perhaps you need just a few sessions.
4: Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours.
5: You know, Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process.
4: Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24 7, so staff can study at their own pace.
5: You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished.
4: Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish.
5: Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course.
4: Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call
5: Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894 and ask for your bulk discount.
0: Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuso? Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff.
3: We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
1: Hi everyone, I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to Be Breastfed, and I have with me today author of best-selling book Once Upon a Time, How Cinderella Grew Up and Became a Happy Empowered Woman. Sandra is also the host of Straight Talk. So, Sandra, tell us the quick story. I mean, like the, the cliff notes here. Why did you decide to write your book, How Cinderella Grew Up and Became a Happy Empowered Woman? Okay. Well,
2: I mentioned in the last segment that I am a recovering caretaker. Um, I, you know, I'm in the field of taking care of people, and in my whole life I have taken care of people, and it got me into all sorts of trouble, like it will get any caretaker in, because uh, caretakers, unfortunately, will attract into their life people who are the opposite, which often is narcissism, number one. Number two, I, I had a friend who was going through some of the same things. She's a body specialist. I'm in the field of psychology, and we would get together and we would talk about about how we grew up with these fairy tales where, you know, I like all other women, one day my prince will come and I'll be happy and everything will be fine. And I kept seeing in my office over and over again High high professional, brilliant, beautiful women who are being treated very poorly in their relationships. And I kept scratching my head for them, for myself, wondering how does this happen? And it starts early with those fairy tales, with the images and messages that we get of those famous traps of, you know, I'm a victim until somebody rescues me. But actually your rescuer can easily become your perpetrator. So that's that's all dealt with in the book. So we wanted to give like a you could say cliffs notes, we wanted to give it's a small book. wanted to give a clips notes on how to not fall into those traps and how to understand the dance of relationships between men and women, because mm. um, it is men and are quite different. Okay, yes. they they're yes. much better at taking care of themselves than women are. Yes. And women often turn on women. And we talk about that in the book as well of how to get out of these traps and how to understand the dance of relationships and get what we all want, which is to feel cherished and special and loved and, um, important and most importantly respected. Cause I don't mm. think I, mm. myself as a, as a young girl learned a lot about respect I learned a lot about love and the fairy tales tell us a lot about love, but not a lot about respect and love without respect. And this is right from the book will die.
1: I'm I'm just chuckling. I remember one time shortly before I married my husband and I said something to him about why did he drive 380 miles to uh, see me and all this stuff. And he sat back for a moment and he said, because you make me think. Mm. And I chuckled at that. That was the first time that I realized that it was more than love and you make me think might not be exactly equivalent to I respect you. But, yeah, he does. And that yes. was that was like this little message for me of, oh, you know, it's not all that ooey gooey stuff. It's That's right. How <laughs> many years are you married, Marie? Oh, let's see. I'm coming up on 23 uh, this winter. I rest my case. So- <laughs> you make me think is
2: respectful. And, yeah. it, again, we love gooey love, but it's not enough.
1: And and don't get me wrong, we have that too, but well, it's not so. it's it's not just the gooey ooey take care taking all of that stuff. It's not just that. So, right. Sandra, you're based in Montreal now. Tell us how we can find you there.
2: Okay. Well, first of all, the website is helpforanxietydepression.com. dot com. So, helpforanxietydepression.com. o r anxietydepression dot com. Um, The phone number of the clinic, should you ever want to reach us, we also do Skype sessions. It's 514-777-4530. But if you're not in Montreal, we also have um, a company called anxiety-videos.com where you can do the treatment of anxiety in the comfort of your home. You can get a digital download in literally five minutes from now, anxiety-videos.com, as if you were in a session Um, let me
1: think where else. Yeah, that's basically how you reach us. Sandra, wait a minute. You got to help me with this. Are you going to tell me that if I watch a video that that's as effective as coming to see you in person? I'm going to tell you that we decided because we had many people who couldn't come see
2: us, we decided to create a video series that is identical to if you come see me in person. Really? I'm on the video. I'm giving you homework. I'm telling uh, you what you need to do. So it's always more interactive. If you come see me, come sure. see me but with pleasure. But if you want to treat your anxiety in the comfort of your home because you're too shy to go to a therapist's office, get the video it will change your life because we go through the strategy step by step and we have a specialty series on sleep on parenting on boundaries and consequences oh, and these wow. are all related and will help you the other thing i want your listeners to know is that i also have a radio show as you mentioned called straight talk with sandra Reesh, and i'm very honored that on october 13th the lovely marie <laughs> Van <Buzo> is coming <laughs> on my show and That's we're right. going to be talking about breastfeeding and all sorts of interesting stuff
1: You've got it, woman. So before we go to that October 13th thing, do you have any special offers for our listeners today?
2: I do indeed, because Marie, um, you know, listeners, Marie puts her heart and soul into these shows. So I had to come back with some really good offers. So, right. one, I'm offering a chapter of my book for free to your listeners. Oh, nice. Nice. So they just go on Sandra Reich, R E I C H, R E I C H dot com and put in their email, and they will get a chapter of my book. Ooh. Because we talked about the anxiety videos, if you go on anxiety videos dot com and punch in as you're about to buy the video, the word breastfed, we will offer you a ten percent discount to all your listeners as of today. Nice, nice. So,
1: nice. Please take advantage of these offers. Oh, that is just fabulous. And tell us too, Sandra, how do we find like let's let's just say that we really do want that in person uh, experience, and we live. Uh, you know, 4,000 miles from you, how do we find people like you? Okay. Well, I think, first of all, you can still call us and we'll still try
2: to guide you if we know your nice. town. We don't always nice. know your town. And sure. as I said, we have Skype. But if you want locally, what's very important for you to do is make sure you don't go see a generalist. Generalists, okay. the, generalist psychologists are fabulous. But if you have an anxiety problem, you need a specialist. So interview your people. Ask them, are you a specialist in anxiety? How do you have cognitive behavioral therapy training? Because that is the treatment of Choice for anxiety. It's scientifically tested and works every time. Because if you don't ask those questions, you'll end up with someone who might end up sitting there listening to you very effectively, but giving you no strategies, which unfortunately, although nice, will not help your anxiety. So you want a specialist. Please ask for a specialist.
1: I would not have known that, Sandra. I really would not have. So I doubt that our listeners would have known that. And I just want to put in this other plug, which is when. Sandra comes on my show again, we're going to really dive into, because I know breastfeeding mothers really feel as though they don't want to do medications, and Sandra has a big list of things that are very effective without being pharmaceutical medications, so don't miss that, it's going to be absolutely fabulous, well as usual, uh, this hour goes way too fast, That's all the time that we have today. But before we sign off, I would just like to thank my guest and a woman that I now consider a true colleague, uh, Sandra Reich. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you for coming today. Thank you. And I'll
2: go one step further. I consider you a friend. You are unbelievable. The work you're doing is just (laughs) extraordinary. So thank you so much for having me on the show. I can't wait to have you on mine.
1: Well, it's been a real thrill, and I just hope that we have more time together. Hey, look at if you are a mother and you're looking for uh, books that were mentioned on this show or other shows, go to my website. That is www.BornToBeBreastFed.com. Uh, if you're a professional and you're looking for continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, remember, I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education. That website is outlook. Dot com. It's breastfeedingoutlook.com. I'm Marie Biancuto. I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week.
0: Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.